Podcast. All right, this is getting ridiculous now, okay? The Kings are ruining our podcast. We haven't been upset about anything for two months. And damn it, I didn't get into the podcast game to be happy all the time. This is Caro. How are you tonight, Vardy? I'm upset that I can't be upset. <laughs> I don't right. know what to do with this. I, I mean, how much, how much can I gloat, really? This is terrible. I think when we started this show and we were like, hey, you know, when the Kings are bad, we were usually funny. And then that caught on and people started liking that. And now I feel like if this continues, we're going to be jobless, homeless, out on the streets. <laughs> and I'm I'm deeply concerned because this is just... Selling our mics for dollars. It's ridiculous, man, what's happening right now. It is absolutely, truly unbelievable. I was ready. I was sharpening my knife around the, the second period of that game tonight against Columbus. I was ready... I was Which ready to even just, that would have been ridiculous, right? To be even complain about that game. And yeah. the, but it's funny. I texted you. Yeah. Second intermission, I would say. And I was like, yeah, I don't know. Like my kid's sick. I don't know if I can have out Thursday, you know? And then we kind of decided, no, we're better after a loss. We are better as a show after a loss. <laughs> and I think, Within three minutes, I texted you. I'm like, of course, this is happening right now when Kings made it three to two. <laughs> they must have gotten the memo. They they must have just been like, come on, guys. Do you really want to hear the Bannerman go off on us again? Yeah. That was Todd's second intermission speech. Like, That's I'll be goddamned if I'm going to sit in the car <laughs> and listen to those two assholes. They're showing up to my pressers now after the games. They don't say anything. They just look at me. <laughs> Just mean mugging and be like, enough winning, Todd. You're ruining our material, man. First question I'm ever going to ask him. He's like, hey, when do you think you're going to lose <laughs> this ballpark? Just ballparking for me, Todd. Man. Yeah. Um, what a team. What are they are, doing now? I don't even know. When they went down one nothing, I put in a wager, a live bet, that they're going to come back and win. When they were down three nothing, I looked at the same wager and I was like, "No way, I'm li-. like, like yes, this looks enticing." What was it like plus seven hundred at that? Dude, point? it was so the spread went to plus two and a half for the Kings mm. to cover, and it was plus one fifty just them for them to cover the two and a half. Mm. And I didn't do it because I I'm not. This is new. I'm not used to this. Even though they just did it against Arizona. Sure, but like yeah. the way they were playing in the the first two periods, you're like, okay, this is just not happening tonight. Like Columbus was playing well for Columbus, I guess, right? Like they've been playing well. Merzlikens has been really good mm-hmm. the last two weeks or so. Like, so I saw you see him sharp, right? You see, like the Kings aren't clicking, the puck's not landing, they're not getting that extended zone time they want. Nothing's really clean. And I just kind of went like, okay, this is like just one of those losses, like the Philly game at home, where just the team looks disjointed. They don't look in sync and nothing's really working. Goalies playing, the opposing goalies playing well, just shrug your shoulders and move on. This is our final lesson, Vardy, to learn about this team. It's like <laughs> with, with the way they can generate when they're on their game, 
it's got to be a really big score now for me to be like, okay, this is probably tucked in for bye-bye. Yeah. And I, and I think the opponent matters a little bit um, to not to take anything away from Columbus. Cause I agree with you. I think the first two periods, they were, they were playing their game, their best possible game, I think to a T right. Like Goudreau was hitting crossbars um, and they were short line a tonight, right? He was out with an illness, I believe. So, but they were still forechecking hard and the couple power play chances that the Kings got, they really were having trouble getting into the zone. I think Columbus was setting up four along the blue line and just, just really not getting him any kind of controlled entries or anything going. Puck was just not sitting right where you wanted it to. None of the chances were really good. And that's when you're like, all right, maybe there was a bad flight. Maybe, you know, like it happens. It happens. Like teams come out and it just doesn't click even for the best teams. And for about a solid 40 minutes of that game, it just didn't look like it was a good night for the Kings. Not a situation that I was worried about. It's so uncharacteristic of the team that I was just like, not a problem. They'll be back at it Thursday They'll, you know, Dubois playing Montreal again. He'll have another great one and it'll be fine. It'll be just fine. But you and I were both surprised that they decided to not wait until the <laughs> following game to yeah. just turn it on a period early, get Philly D all warmed up for his return to Montreal. Couple greasy goals that that second one he got, man, that was that was about his choice a Phil Deneau goal, as you can think of, just right there, sitting in the crease, turning his stick upside down, finding some sort of little slot behind Brislikens and just toe-tapping that thing in. I mean, just just greasy, greasy stuff, man. And sometimes you got to play that way. I think I think these, this season, we've seen them score more pretty goals than greasy ones. Very, very anti-traditional Kings hockey for those of us who have been watching this team for the last one to two decades plus. Um, I mean, you just you just got to look at that beautiful passing play goal that they had against Colorado in the third period. I mean, we've seen plenty of goals like that this season. So maybe they were guilty of trying to make too many plays like that. Maybe they were trying to like really get that finesse, extra pass, extra whatever kind of goal. And it was leading to a lot of turnovers and poor puck possession because Columbus was just not backing down at all. So it is interesting to see that when that's not working, that they still have a greasy element to their game, that they're still able to just get these goals that are like dirty, get right up in the goalie's face into the paint, random bounce kind of goals. It doesn't all have to be three passes in a, you know, ESPN top sports center, top 10 kind of play. It doesn't have to be Trevor Moore turning on a dime and top titting one, like, you know, like yeah. just, just get dirty goals sometimes, man. Yeah. And it's funny that Phil Deneau gets those two because he's the one after the last few games that's been using the word, Direct. When we play direct, mm -hmm. we get results. And Todd McClellan has said it too many times. When we play direct hockey, we are at our best. 
And you're absolutely right, man. The Kings and coach has said it. The leadership has said it. Like sometimes they're just trying to make alley-oop slam, 360 slam dunk plays on every right. possession. And they're globetrottering, as Todd put it. And it's because, tempting, isn't it? It's tempting when, well, when they pull they can, it off. Right? Exactly. <laughs> like track record shows they can. But then the same thing in Colorado. The same yeah. language was used after that game. Yep. It's like, hey, we, we went into the third. We talked about just being direct, not passing up good shots, not passing up good opportunities to make that extra beautiful play because we can. And and that's when they start putting them in. Like it's been a it's been a minute where I've seen three greasers like that from the Kings to get yeah. back in a game. But in games like this, man, that's that's what it's gonna take. And it's it's very important for this team to realize that you gotta be able to do both. That's yeah. when you're scary. That's when you're scary good. Yeah, because playoff hockey, there's no space like that, right? Like I think Columbus was playing like a desperate team. Short line A, you know, up and down season for them in multiple ways. Their superstar guys not producing. And I I think they're trying to figure out how they can possibly string together a win. And playing the way they did for the first two periods is is probably the way they were going to do it. And I think it was up to the Kings to kind of look inward and realize that they, they were better than how they were playing the first two periods. That that's, that's really what it was. And I think had they not, had they, had they come out for the third and played exactly like they did for the first two, we would have shrugged. And for the next two days, I think that's what the coaching staff would be harping on them about is that you, you guys are a much better team than what you showed in Columbus. And they still might talk about that. Because, I think they will. The, the, the I mean, the first two periods were terrible. Theme, yeah. Yeah. The it's first just, two periods were awful. Trying too much, man. Like low percentage stuff. Like that Fiala play drove me. You know which one I'm talking about where he was yeah, at the point alone. Yeah. And he's just trying this like low percentage pass. Like he's killing me sometimes. We love you, Kevin, but you're killing uh, me slowly. I mean, we've, we've talked about it a few times. I don't know if we've ever talked about it on the pod, but you and I have talked about it multiple times that we just, I realize we just don't like him on the point. I don't think that's a good position for him. It's too high risk. It's too high risk. He wants to, he wants to make that one other move. And it's like, he's, he's the last line. It's too easy for them to just pick it off of him and go the other way. Like he excels on the half wall and kind of down in the corner where he can, slip or someone can kind of back him up a little bit but on that blue line it's just it's too risky a position and he ends up up there sometimes on the power play and sometimes even five on five i've seen him end up up there and i'm just like oh god this is a this is an adventure about to happen here you know i don't know i don't know what to say i don't know what to talk about word because it's just we can look at some numbers let's let's bring it back to some some basic not basic because we're going to look at advanced, but right now, the Kings, their goal percentage, they're first in the NHL. Their expected goal percentage, they're first in the NHL. Their, their Corsi percentage, fourth in the NHL. Fenwick percentage, third in the NHL. Just good old-fashioned uh, goal differential, first in the NHL. Uh, yeah. Leading the league in expected goals against. Crazy stuff, man, all across the board. And 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 it's only them and Carolina that are in the top handful in, in almost every category. 
Yeah. So, so you want to talk about being confident in a team? Like some of these numbers just bear it out, man. They're just they're clicking in every which way, and those metrics in the playoffs are scary for any team to go up against. So, uh, hopefully, it continues. I expect dips. Obviously, that's just mm-hmm. the nature of the beast. But right now, man, I don't. Are they the best team in the league? I don't know. And the question of, is this the best Kings team ever? I don't know how to answer that because I don't understand the question. Quite frankly, yeah. I don't know what that would what you like. What's the question here? It's contextual, right? Like, of course it has to be because is it the best Kings team on paper? No. Right. Is it the best stretch of hockey the Kings have ever played? No. Right. 2012 pretty much takes the I cake think the 2012 on that playoffs one. Is gonna, yeah. is gonna, you know, take that. So I don't know. I don't know how to answer it, but I love the questions. I'll tell you them. I love hearing those questions being asked somewhat seriously. So I'll I'll tell you I'll tell you how I'm interpreting it. Is this the best iteration of the team where I expect them to go into any barn on any night and expect them to win? Like if I ask it to you in that way, what would you say? I don't know. I don't know that either because I feel like what was it the thirteen team? They were winning like like. Do you remember? Yeah. I, it's, it's, oh yeah. I, I remember yeah, you yeah, and I yeah. specifically talking about that team. Like they're just gonna win. That's all. That's all yeah. they do. And I don't know. It's tough, but we're all kind of prisoners in the moment. Not to put a negative spin on it, but but this I think has the fact be... that we're we're talking about this team in that context of like those hallowed groups, right? Like the the 12s, the 13s, the 14s, which are truly the, if you're, if you're basing this on success, that's the benchmark, right? I mean, the 12, 12, 13, 14 teams, those are the benchmark for the best Kings teams we have seen. So granted, we don't know what the, what this is going to look like come playoff time, but in terms of how they're playing right now, there's shades of that kind of play. There's there's that level of confidence in their play. And so I don't know if this is the best team because I think that still needs to be answered in a playoff capacity for me to feel more comfortable making that kind of a call. But in terms of the, the confidence that I have with this team, the flow of the, of the games that I see most nights, even, even against... Washington, which is the one loss they've had since we last recorded, they played a dominant game. I, I, I don't think they got goalied by Lindgren, although Lindgren played a good game, but they were dominant. That, that I mean, you can look at it on paper. You can look at it eye test. You can look at it advanced stats. They played a dominant, dominant game and they just lost. It happens. You know, statistics eventually, it has to go the other way, right? Like, you win 90% of the games, you're still going to come across that 10% that you lose. So I I think the overall collection of how they're playing in every position, I'm not saying like guys on paper, right? I'm not saying like prime era, Jonathan Quick versus Cam Talbot. Now it's the same thing. Right. That's the, it's clearly not. It's clearly, right. clearly not. But in terms of the gameplay, in terms of the flow, in terms of the 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 metrics however you look at it they're up there man they're up there if they're not the best version of of the team that i have seen they're they're in the top three to four 
for sure. No argument. No argument, man. And this top line right now might be one of the most dominant top lines the Kings have ever had. Tonight, for example, you look at scoring chances, simply. Mm-hmm. Scoring chances for percentage. Dowdy, Kopitar, and Kempe were all over 70%. Amazing. And right behind them, Mikey Anderson, Quentin Byfield in the high 60s. You know, what's interesting is if you look at the uh, the expected goals graph on Money Puck for this game, for as bad as we felt like the Kings were playing, all the way through two periods, it was, it was pretty even. It was even, yeah. Yeah. It was pretty even. And then, and of then course, the third, the third period just, happens. And it's no, just... So go back and look at the one for the Colorado game. It looks exactly the same. <laughs> it's, it's exactly the same. Right. High danger chances for in the third period, the percentage, Kings 88.89. I mean, they just don't quit, man. They just don't quit. It, eight to one, by the way. High danger yeah. chances in the... Yeah. In the third period, that'll that'll do. Can I? But you know what the best part about this is? Please tell me if there's I, something. I think better than all that. There, there's a better iteration of this team waiting. Because if then, and when, then hopefully, it's current Vic, form. Yes. Okay. Yes, because if and when Victor Arvidsson actually comes back to this lineup, I think you're going to see a a step farther up once he's back in the lineup. Well, I think the biggest benefactor is going to be PL Dubois. That's exactly. Absolutely. I think, look, should we do our bye week PLD check? Is it time? Is, is it, it time? time? We like, need a name for this segment. I know. We'll figure it out. We're pretty, <laughs> we're, we're okay with titles and stuff. So yeah, we're pretty savvy. We're, we'll figure something <laughs> out. And the reason I think we do this now is because, we, yeah, you know, we were, we were not in favor of the trade, but at this point in time, all we want is for this man to have success in the uniform he's wearing. That's all I care about. Like I've turned the page on Gabe Velarde and all that stuff that we talked about. Like, well, sort of, because I'm sure he'll come up later this episode. He'll come but... up for not good reasons. I yes, say, um, <laughs> for once. So, um, yeah, I think he's gonna. The biggest benefactor to me is gonna be him. There were plays today, and I think I told you this. There are like three, four plays today where I felt like he came low, moved the puck to the boards, and he was going through the neutral zone with speed, and there were opportunities for him to get the puck from his linemates, and his linemates, linemates chose to just get the red and dump it in. Where if one touch to him, and he would have been gone three, four times. I'm not even exaggerating. Mm-hmm. The I think the most egregious one that came to mind was, was Grunstrom on the boards. Like, sure, he was under... Listen, and all fairness to Carl Grunstrom, who's been exceptional this season, he got the puck at the far wall and he had two defenders on him. So so the defender had cheated over, leaving the neutral mm-hmm. zone kind of open mm-hmm. for that touch for PL. And Carl, like, it's not fair for me to ask Carl Grunstrom to make that play with that much pressure and just kind of give a soft touch to Dubois so he could be gone. It right. is fair for me to ask that of Victor Arvidsson because he can do it and he can do it well. So whether it's Arvidsson, whoever it's going to be on PL's wing, it's going to be an upgrade respectfully. 
mm-hmm. is going to be an upgrade in the type of game that Dubois wants to play, needs to play to be an effective forward every night. You can argue he is now. There's a ton of stats that I'm not even going to bother looking at that other people can tell you where he's positive, right? He's not having a negative impact on the game. But to me, that's a little too in the weeds <laughs> for me to get into that. What I want to see is what I'm watching, and right. I want to see like basic statistics improve. That's important no matter what. Like the Montreal game, right? We Again, we got to go to that game. We got to see him play, and it was funny because – just before that game started, you were kind of looking at some lines and, and bets and things like that. You're like, man, Dubois sure likes putting up points against Montreal. And sure enough, he had two assists. Um, I, I, I am sympathetic this week in our, in our PL check-in. Um, I'm sympathetic to his position right now because they tried to put him with Fiala and that did not work for a multitude of reasons. Fiala certainly working better now with uh, Deno and Moore. And that's why I've, I think that, again, I'm, I say if, because you never know with Arvidsson's injury history and what he's dealing with, but if and when Arvidsson is able to get back into this lineup, I feel like it's more likely that they would put him with Dubois than potentially try the Fiala-Dubois pairing again. But... I feel for him because he's put in a position now where all due respect to Carl Grunstrom, all due respect to uh, Alex Ferrier, it's he's he's kind of lacking a bit of a support staff here on that line. And they're not going to change much because the team still keeps winning. And the other two lines are are going fine. They're not going to touch the fourth line. I mean, they've been forced to because Lazat's been out six games now. But it's it gets a little complex as to as to who they can and they can't play him with and how they want to set this up. And there's also been some discussion I've been seeing kind of more recently about all right, is it time to to send Alex Leferia back down to Ontario? He really hasn't been producing much he's playing his honest game but you know you you got a guy like Fagimo who the Kings are lucky enough to reclaim once Nashville dropped him off of waivers he's been scorching hot he's also a right shot he's also you know a, a shoot first kind of guy is it time to bring someone like that up to give PL some more options on that line because like you pointed out there's situations like that where he's looking for someone to to give him that one touch to, to set him up, to, to put him in a position where he can do more. And maybe he's gone from a situation where he had a guy like Fiala who really wanted the puck. And now they switched him off so that he's kind of the dominant guy, but now you got two wingers who can't really get him the puck on a consistent basis to where he needs it. So I'm, I'm more sympathetic to his plight this time around than I think I have been at any point throughout the season. Same. I mean, as as we watch him, we understand his strengths more. We understand the type of game he needs to play to be at the top of his whatever confidence, abilities, whatever you want to call it. We understand what his ceiling is when he's playing well. We have a, a picture of what that's going to look like. And to me, man, it's just – it's neutral zone carries. That's 
That's mm-hmm. this guy's bread and butter. He's got to get the puck with speed in the neutral zone. He's and a scary that's guy. He's a he's big terrifying. dude coming down. Yeah. He's terrifying. And sometimes he still tries to power through people um, when he shouldn't. But at mm-hmm. the same time, like, I understand, like, he gets that touch, man. It's like, once a game, he's just like, I'm going to try to do the thing that I, I'm really good at here. Even if it's maybe a lower percentage success rate than what I'm used to. I think he's still trying to find his way, like, below the dots, too. Like, he looked really good in the preseason below the dots, like, bouncing off of defenders and really being a nightmare. But again... I watch him and I just feel like he's always crowded now. He, he, there's just mm-hmm. bodies all around him at all times. Mm-hmm. And again, I I'm, I need to watch a little more to understand if that's just a spacing issue with his line mates, if he's not getting the proper support along the boards. But there's just too many times where I'm just watching him in the offensive zone trying to protect the puck and I just feel like he's alone. Like there's no mm-hmm. one really around him properly to, to give him options to create or at least just draw defenders and let him just take a guy one-on-one because no one's going to stop him one-on-one in yeah. most situations. So it's just little things. And, but that's what I mean, right? There's, there's no option. There's no option for them, yes, for them to yes. do anything different. The top line is locked in. Dano and Moore are forever locked together. I am curious. Liz- Lizotte's return is imminent seemingly. Right. So I am curious if Arthur Kaliev goes back up because I think, instinctively i would just bring back that fourth line as it was yeah which means cali is probably going to move again it could be wrong they could just be like hey you know we're just going to keep you're just going to knock out jad out of the lineup and just right keep cali on that fourth line that's not what i would do because it's not like the grunstrom line or the pld line is setting the world on fire exactly right but you knew that fourth line was going good. Tom McClellan called him money. So I am curious. And and <laughs> Arthur Kelly, bless his heart, he hasn't smiled since he's gone to the fourth line. <laughs> he and scored, he scored like but he hasn't smiled. Yeah, I know. Like, and every time he just has his stone face, almost like, I don't like fourth line. <laughs> <laughs> I don't like this number. Um, so I don't think I'm, he has we'll an see. accent, but that's okay. He does. Does he really? Oh, yeah. He's from New York. I know that, but he has an accent. <laughs> Already has an accent. Interesting. Anyway. So so that's 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 what I mean by I think there's another gear here. I think it's still you know, remember last year when we were talking about this, that they had no idea where to put Fiala. Like time after time, we would like we even we would draw up the roster and we would look back and go. Shit, we forgot to put Fiala in the lineup exactly. again. Like, right, right, because right. <laughs> right. he was a bottom six forward for most of the right. season. Because because they had these two lines that were working so well that they didn't want to mess with it, and now they're forced to mess with it because Arvidsson's out for such a long period of time, and they found finally a place to put Fiala. But now all of a sudden, you've got this other guy. You've got this other guy that you're paying eight and a half million dollars, and you're trying to figure out a way to to fit him in and thankfully the team's winning. So I don't think it's a very big point of concern. They're, they're just kind of looking at it and going, ah, we'll figure it out. It'll come, you know? Right. But I think there's a, there's a, there's another iteration. There's a version 3.0 or whatever you want to call it of this team. That's, that's still lacking that guy. And maybe it's Arvidsson. 
if he's able to come back healthy this season. Um, maybe if he's not going to come back healthy and that's, that seems to be the case, maybe that's when this, the Kings actually start looking into some alternative options as the, as the trade deadline approaches. I mean, especially for a guy like Arvidsson, who's a UFA this upcoming season, I, I don't know if that maybe forces your hand a little bit, you know, if, if, if you're not really sure if he's going to be able to come back and maybe that makes you a bit more exploratory on the trade market, maybe even looking for guys that you can keep around next season and, and replace Arvidsson, so to speak. Yeah, so. I think this is this whole stretch, however long it is, is a test run to see how this team can do without right. Victor Arvidsson. So in, right. in a lot of ways, like no one's getting more hurt by this than Victor Arvidsson, obviously. Oh, 100%. UFA, UFA year, all that stuff. Um, I don't know. I think it's too early to talk about it, but I think if, if he's going to come back in like March and this team's going to roll, I think the writing's on the wall. Even though, you with, know, the cap's going up a little bit. So, with regards writing's to, on the wall with letting him walk. Uh, I I mean, I think I think Personally, I think that writing's on the wall anyway, unless he's going to take At the end of a, the season, you mean? I think so. Yeah, I probably. mean, if, if you just kind of look at what the what the team's cap situation and the contracts are going to have to sign next year, um, I think it gets a little bit weird. But in any case, I, 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 I like the way they're playing. I mean, almost every night I like the way they're playing. They find ways to win games that they really don't have business winning. They're playing really well in, in games like the one against Washington. You're going to lose some like that. I don't think you, you hang your head on that. I think you just shrug and you move on. That's, that's a, that's a good loss. You know, you, you play well, you play your game and it's, it's a game of inches. Sometimes a two, one loss like that. Yeah. So, so yeah, that's our PLD check-in. There it is. Weekly. I, I am, I am really fascinated with this guy. He's a fascinating individual. I will say like just watching his interviews and like the podcasts he's done. And just, he's just a very interesting cat and I'm, I'm very interested by him. Interestingly I, I think... enough. <laughs> <laughs> it's like the whole, I, just his whole vibe is, is fascinating to me. Like, you know, you see like the only, like you see him at the Pitbull concert and he's wearing a Pitbull right. shirt and he just right. looks like he's just having the most fun ever. Except and then when, when he plays, <laughs> yeah. And then when he plays, you're like, he just does not look like he's having a good time. Dude, and that I told you this. I don't like think a, he likes, I don't think he likes playing hockey. I really don't. I, I, I think, I think this is just something that not that he stumbled into it. I think it is something that. He's he's elite. been good at. Yeah, he's yeah. elite at. He's yeah. been really good at. He's been encouraged to do. His dad's obviously in coaching, and so he's got the frame for it. He's got the skill for it, and so I think it's it's a bit simplistic for me to call it a means to an end for him. But you know, how, like sometimes you kind of inherit the family business, and you're just kind of like, all right, I guess I'll just do this. <laughs> In a way, I feel like that's kind of what's happened to him is that he's just kind of like, all right, this is the, this is apparently what I'm good at. So I'm going to do it, but this is not what I'm about. I think. Uh, At least not just what I'm about. 
Yes. No, he and he's, he he yeah. said that much multiple right. times. Which I respect, that much, yeah. Yeah, of course. Of course. I I don't expect I, I think it's I think it's short-sighted to expect athletes to be about nothing but sports. Absolutely. I, I that's that's a terrible way of looking at this. Um none of them are, by the way. No one they're not, I don't think there's a not. single athlete that's all about it, but I don't think there's many athletes that are so outwardly vocal about Correct. The lifestyle aspect of their career. Because they open themselves up for judgment. They open themselves up to yes, this thing of like... which is exactly what's happening with them. Right? Uh, yeah. Right? Like, like people were... Dude, people were commenting about that that picture, that that hilarious, now legendary Pitbull concert photo of the team, by the way. There was, there was legitimate people going like, way to celebrate a 2-1 loss to the Caps, guys. It's like, oh, God. dude, really? Like, Come on, really? You guys got to... Dude, <laughs> don't Jesus, do that. chill out, man chill out lighten up francis but 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 i think that's why i'm so fascinated by him because he's not afraid to say like yeah man you know i i want to go to a lakers game and i like to and where i live and where i play is very important to me because of those things which is like such a basic human thing but when you look at athletes you kind of be like well why is he say god he's not dedicated like earn your money or all this other nonsense, right? Like, so he's I think some of that is, is the money. I think some of that is the money is that it's kind of just like this idea that if you make this much money, then you are not allowed to enjoy that money. <laughs> That's so stupid. <laughs> but it's, it, it's, it's hilariously dumb. That's the thing. Like if you're not, if you're making that much money, but your interest is making that money and doing something with it, it's like you break the illusion for people, you know, like if you're not, if you're not a hundred percent in and you live and die by this game, then you don't deserve that money, which is, which is a profoundly stupid thing. Cause we all go out there, we all do our jobs and we all have our careers or whatever it is, but very few of us want to be defined by what our career is and, and nothing else. And I think, there's an element of bravery on his part to be able to come out and say, like, I don't want to live in Winnipeg for eight years. I have other interests. I want to be, and obviously I can travel during the off season, but I don't want that. I want to be able to like go to a Pitbull concert on a Saturday and not have to book a private jet and this and that and other to get, you know, like, so I, I don't fault him for that at all. I, I've, I have said that from day one, every single interview this dude has done, every single person he's spoken to, he seems like an incredibly well-rounded, you know, even keeled individual. That being said, I really don't think he likes to play hockey. I really I, don't. I don't I, 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 I'll push back on that. I'm sure he loves it. I just don't think I don't think he love, likes it. To, I don't think yes. it's the love of his life. That's what I mean. Like that's, that's what fair. I mean. That's okay. Yeah. That's okay with me. As long as I mean, you know, as long as you you, you do the thing, like I, yeah. It's just he's yeah. he's interesting. He's an interesting guy. Another thing, like he's such an X's and O's guy. And when you watch him play, and this is like a illusion almost, you're almost like he's just not he's just not dialed in or he's not involved. But when you watch him run the system, like there's very few that run it, and and do the X's and O's as well as he does, which makes him like the layers of this 
like player are just so fascinating to me. And I think that's why he's can such you, a polarizing Can you go into player. that a little bit deeper in terms of yeah, what you I mean? think so. I think I think he'll play the system almost to his own detriment sometimes. Like I think the way the Kings cycle, even on the one, th- you watch the Kings load into the one three one. His head's on a swivel, like he's in, like involved, which is not a big deal. Like they all are, but his body language to me suggests like he's really trying to run the system. Mm-hmm. I think he's really trying to learn the system. I think he's really focused on I got to do everything right within the system, and you don't see him deviate too much. Like there's times where I think he could not go low to high for example, Mm -hmm. and just put his shoulder down and drive to the center of the ice. And he does not. He Mm -hmm. still goes low to high. I think, and you look at all his draft stuff, like everyone says high IQ, understands, very coachable, all this stuff. Um, So it's like, again, I'm painting a picture of a player I don't know. Mm -hmm. And I'm trying to understand like what I'm looking at. And these are just the things I've picked up on. Yeah, fascinating guy. Like, and I don't say that about players. They're boring. <laughs> but they're encouraged this, to be. This cat not boring. Very. Interesting. They're encouraged to be boring. They're they're not encouraged to be interesting. And yeah, maybe maybe a lot of them are. Maybe for a lot of them, it's been hockey and nothing but hockey. And so that's that's all they can really talk about. You know, um, <laughs> I don't know why this came to mind, but like, do you remember um, from uh, Blades of Glory, uh, the, the Will Ferrell sure. movie? But okay, I remember so the movie. All right, so there's there's the interview. There's like a quick interview scene where um, they're interviewing um, the. I'm screwing this up entirely. Amy Poehler's character and Will Arnett's character, and they're just like Hans and Fairchild. What have you been doing? You've been gone for seven. You know, like what have you been doing since last time? And Hans is just such a buckethead. He's just like skating, and that's <laughs> right. That's, I think that's the vision that a lot of people have of, of ice, you know, of ice hockey players. It's like, what have you been doing with your time? Skating. Still working on my practicing. shot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Shot, skating. And and that's the answer. And that's the answer they want. And and here comes P.L. Dubois going, oh, I read this lovely novel and I went and I had dinner at, at this, at this French restaurant that oh, I've been looking at. And they're just like, how dare you? Exactly. How dare you be you know, any color of personality beyond absolute boring gray. Yeah. So uh, I guess Gabe Velarde got the note because oh, he, he wasn't boring in his last media availability. Uh, yeah, that was, that was tough, man. That was, that was, so I, okay. They, I guess background here for those who haven't seen the interview, although at this point I think everyone has. Oh yeah, the, the vitriol on Twitter yes. from this man. <laughs> yeah, it's it's there. Uh, so he's finally back from this injury, suffered way early on at the at the hands of known assassin Blake <laughs> That's Lazat. Right. That's right. Known mass murderer Blake Lazat. That's right. Every coach before the game puts forty six <laughs> on the board with a red circle right. around it. That's he's right. Like, warning <laughs> watch out don't go into the corner with this guy <laughs> that's right Gabe will tell you um so he comes back from this injury and this is the only defense i will i will offer him i will provide him is that they're kind of asking him hey man how does it feel coming back from 
that injury? How, do, how does that feel getting injured this early on in the season? And the Winnipeg media, um, they sure love their hockey and there's not a whole lot else they're going to, they're going to report on. And so they kind of asked this question of him in, in two different iterations, basically like, how does it feel? You know, you got hurt against your former team and now you're back. And the first couple times he tried, he tried really hard to give the PC answer of something that happens. It's, you know, it's a, it's a thing that happens. It sucks, but what are you going to do? I'm back. And I think twice he tried to answer it exactly that same way. And I don't know if finally someone just asked it a slightly different way. And he was like, well, you know, the PR staff told me that if I'm asked three times, I'm able to unload <laughs> right. like some sort of a genie or whatever. But like <laughs> he decides to just go scorched earth on Blake Lazat. It's probably no one has gone scorched earth on Blake Lazat before. And I don't know if he straight calls him a dirty player, but stops stuff's just short pretty much i mean there's like there isn't much to read between the lines there it's it's kind of there isn't it like and you're right man the the media did press him and it was like so gabe like you said so gabe your leg like how does it feel and they're like he answers his second question is like how does it feel to you know miss more time like you have last year and yeah. he mentioned and he mentioned like last year was a concussion which we that's yes. what we thought it was. And everyone yes. during the trade was like, oh, he's back again. No. <laughs> um, and then after those two questions, it's almost like this weird, like, yeah, yeah, but your leg really hurt, huh? <laughs> They're yeah. like still pressing for him to say something for them to get their quote. And Gabe, you can't take that bait, big guy. Like, you're a pro now. Like, you, you should understand you're young, but like, they're baiting and you're you. frustrated and you're angry and you haven't played and you're, you know, like you got traded away in a weird way. Like you have every, you have you gotta every be reason. Yeah, sure. But you got, you can't, you can't. Exactly. You can't. Exactly. You have, you know, like you have every reason sometimes to go out there and, and punch someone cause you're, cause you're angry, but you're not going to do that. A, a, a normal individual does not do that. And I think they baited him and they baited him and then he and he just took the hook and and went off. <laughs> yeah, I saw a young man who was talking about more than that play. I saw hurt feelings. I saw someone who was hurt by the trade, despite what you want to read on Twitter. These he's still human and the idea that oh he was gone anyway it's the most ridiculous thing like he didn't want to be here like based on nothing right i see a frustrated hurt player that took an opportunity to unload on his former team i'm not a psychologist but that's what i saw and unfortunately uh the part i didn't like is when they asked him if Blake Lazar reached out to apologize or whatever and he said that's between me and him which means, yes, he did, in my eyes. That's how I read that. And right. even if he didn't say that, I think Blake Lazat's the type of person to probably apologize as soon as he possibly could. Right. So, for Gabe, you can't, you can't say all that and then keep that out. You can't bury a guy and then 
not say that part. That's the part that kind of frustrated me a little bit. He was right. out to, he was out for blood. And I think it's, he saw the King's logo in front of his eyes when he was doing it. So you live, you learn, I guess, but that's, it was just upsetting to see. Like, I'm not, I don't have a Blake Lazard jersey. It's not the point. Like, I saw from a very, what I felt was an objective. We've been objective about things relating to Gabe Velarde, things relating to the trade that resulted in Gabe Velarde moving to Winnipeg, I believe. We have been. So I'm being right. objective about this. It's like, that was just unloading on your former team. Yeah. And hopefully he got it out of his system because. I'll tell you what, next time the Kings play the Jets. Must see TV. I, I assure you that locker room loves Blake Lazat. I assure yeah. you. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't think it's gonna be an easy game for Velarde. Just what I think. Especially and that's okay. the way especially the way you see this team off the ice. Right. The LA Kings love each other. That I will tell you without question. Yeah. The locker room celebrations. Pitbull, like all this, they they love one another. The on ice, the on ice celebrations. This is a tight group. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. I don't think they're going to take a number or anything, but I don't think they're going to. Can go I ask easy on. when have you have you ever seen a coordinated on ice, celly like that? I mean, I've seen it for an individual. I don't recall ever seeing Sean Avery pushups. Or, we seem to remember that Sean Avery pushups, <laughs> Timu. Glove shotguns. Glove I mean, shot, yeah. I don't know if I've ever seen in the two NHL? guys or more. Obviously, yeah. Certainly not. I don't remember one on the Kings. So the NHL is really that's a tough question. I'm sure there has been one. <laughs> right, like there. I just feel like I, I. I just feel like those kind of weird or unique celebrations. They kind of make oh, the video rounds. The right? Kings had. Remember the. When the Gabbard Kopitar line used to shake hands okay. after a celebration. Oh, that's a yeah. Right? They used to that do the handshake. That was a great one. Terrific. I did like that. <laughs> a terrific celebration. Just the general, they they huddle up and they just shake hands. Like a great celebration. <laughs> that's a good one. Um that's so a that's good one. one. That's one in King's history right there. So I'm, I'm see, sure there's been plenty. But that's that's great because that's another parallel because that's that same kind of vibe of of that era of team of the era of good feelings, if you will, <laughs> where that team was again, they were just scoring so good. They're like, hey guys, let's do some on ice celebrations. Let's let's shake hands instead. You know, that's like, what I and that's what I tweeted. Like I was just like, imagine how good things are that you have the time and the energy yeah. to like sit with your teammate and be like, hey man, next time like we score and it's it's you to me or me to you. Like, what should we do? <laughs> like, imagine right. like things are going so well. You have nothing else to worry about. No other problems, but to think about a coordinated FIFA right. celebration. Fantastic. Fantastic. And I, I didn't even it. care that the celebration was cool. I cared more about what the celebration means. Like, right. that's what I care about. Right. It's it's a swaggy celebration. It's just just good vibes. It's just like it's hockey's, it's, hockey's fun, guys. That's what yeah. the, that's what, that's the vibe. And it should be. And the more fun you have, the better you generally play hockey. I mean, it's just one feeds into the other. Yeah, we got to get PL in on the fun. That's that's uh, another thing. Like I look at the, like the comebacks, and these guys are scoring. And like, and I'm just like, man, it would be nice if PL could just get like an important one. You know right. what I mean? Not a 
the Winnipeg one was important, but like not the fourth goal against St. Louis and not right. You know, the third or fourth one against Vegas when they were pounding him in Vegas. Like I just, let's I, get him. I good, want him an important I want one. him to have a true first star of the game kind of performance. Yep. I want him to have that kind of game that you look back and you go, that was the PL Dubois game. That was the game that like, okay, that's what you're paying this guy for. Because I think, I think the, the rest of that locker room likes him just fine. I think again, the human being who he is, he's just like, you know, they clearly love Gavrikov. You see that in a very outward video celebrate like he's that kind of guy right deno is like that too you see him he's just a super friendly kind of guy i think they like pl in a very different way but in a very like also tightly bound addition to the group and i want to see the rest of this team happy for him right which they were in winnipeg yeah yes they were they were, but I, I, like you said, I want him to have an important goal, a first start. Like they mobbed Dowdy today yeah. on that OT. Goal. Right. Exactly. Like get in like, on the fun. Just, That's just, the, just get in on the fun, big guy. That's what we want. Yeah. yeah. A, an OT winner. Something. Just, just something. Something. Something, something that just kind of blows the roof off of his own emotions. That's, that's all I want to see. So there we go. There we go. All right. Uh, anything else you want to say about the Kings other than they're incredible? Uh, well, one one win away from breaking the that's initial right. record of from uh, the ether. Road win- <laughs> from I mean, the ether, it weird, was done. What a weird thing! <laughs> it was done. Ten o and o on the road, one away from the all time record. Yeah, and and they're rolling into Montreal. And I can't think of a better oh, team. So- to set a record against than the villainous Montreal Canadiens. Our arch nemesis. Forever and always. I'll never never forget. Hashtag. But yeah. And then (laughs) um, and then it's after that you get the possibility on Sunday the 10th of Jonathan Quick yeah. And and it's interesting because if you look, I would like to look at the Rangers schedule. I think they're on a back to back. So are we, aren't we? Because it's Islanders so are, Rangers. Yes. 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 But so but the interesting part to me is obviously the quick start. They're on a back to back and the previous game or the game before the Kings game, I believe, is a division game. So it raises the question of like, do, uh, do you go Shesterkin against the division rival or against the better team? Yeah, I if I were a betting man, I would bet that you have Talbot versus Quick on Sunday. Which is beautiful, right? Like yeah. that's it has to be that way. Yeah. No one wants to see Copley <laughs> in Madison Square with no. respect. Cam Talbot yeah. played for them. Jonathan Quick is is a Kings legend. Like that's that's what you want to see in the Garden, man. You got to do 
coaches should call each other. Just quick text, Todd. Right. Just be like, we're doing this, right? Like, come y- on. You need like a little Don King action, little little you know fight promotion to this. Absolutely. Kinda... Maybe maybe get John Butchergross to make make some phone calls. Whoever is responsible for Whatever, such a thing, who can make it happen. Todd, just drop Lavi a quick text and just be like, just say quick question mark, and he'll say, like, yep. Quickly tell yep. it, right? Like, yeah, that's that's it. It has to. Be. Okay, cool. That's it. Gentleman's agreement. I, so I, I would love say to, it's, I would love to see. It's that. also good that um, they're incorporating Copley a bit more into the rotation. I think they had lost some Absolutely confidence necessary. in his game. We talked about that. Yeah. But they have yeah. to get him going. And that that Montreal game, great bounce back shutout win for him. He played great. Now you know. Well, that was after I, he beat Arizona four one, so he correct, was already correct. So he's put together three straight wins. Yeah, which you know you want to nitpick him tonight? Fine, I I don't. No way, man. No, he I just I, come on. That some of these, <laughs> even the disallowed goals. I was like, someone help this guy. Yeah, no that that Marchenko goal. I thought, I I didn't think that Marchenko goal was a bad goal. First off, it's a it's a power play goal, and. Just it's good puck placement. That's it. You know, you want to make a case that maybe the third goal was stoppable. I think that got a little bit. It, it took like a weird shank and bounce. But from where that shot's coming from, that's that's a high danger. That's a that's a, a, a medium to high danger chance. It's below the faceoff dots, and I think it was a turnover just before it that led to him even having that chance. So it's just. You can't – it'd be nice to have a stop on that one, but I I don't think that was the difference in the game, right? Like, it, it the game turned once the Kings started really playing their game in the third. That's it. Yeah, and it looked like glove side high is where the scouts right. told the guys to go. Goudreau right. rang one off the bar early glove side high. Marshenko beats some glove side high. And then Goudreau on that breakaway beat some glove side high. So there is room to improve, of course. But yes. no, I don't think had the Kings lost this game, I think everyone would have pointed to poor puck management first and foremost. Yeah. And just bad um, turnovers. And the one other thing I would like to see, I'd like to see Adrian Kempe get some power play goals. Seriously, playing. huh? Or just, I I'll mean, take, that's just, I'll take a 5v5 goal, but sure. He, but I mean, the, the whole power, power play last year was, he, I mean, he had 11 team. power, yeah, he had 11 yeah. power play goals. He's got one. I mean, that's, that's a tall ask for him to, to catch up with that through this season, you know, and I don't know if it's just because the playbook is out, teams are covering that left circle one timer a bit better. I'm not sure. Um, I feel like he's missed a couple open corners and stuff that he was just hitting well. So I, I think those are the those are the points that I'd like to see improve, certainly. The good news is he's on pace for 82 points, which is <laughs> a wonderful thing. We'll take that. Yeah. We'll take that. Uh Trevor Moore on pace for a goal total that starts with a four. <laughs> and I don't mean a single digit one either. He's looking like he's having a good time out there, as we said previously. So, I mean, honestly, even if he ended with 
with 25, I would be over the moon happy. Oh yeah. It's career highs all across the board for, for him. Uh, Kobe all time leader in assists. No surprise That's like there. The, the eighth headline, yeah, which is not, how this, how this team's doing. Yeah. No. Well, I thought you meant for him personally, but no, yeah, no, no. That too. But I mean, yes, that too. That too. <laughs> um, yeah. Want to talk about the rest of the league just a little bit? We can. How about I think, the Moilers. <laughs> yeah, they look. I'm not shocked that they've would have where have they rang off four in a row. Mm-hmm. Not surprised. Their expected goals numbers and all that stuff was always pointing in this direction. The turnaround was bound to happen. It was a matter of when and could they do it in enough time. Mm-hmm. I still think their goaltending sucks, so that's good. I still think defensively, personnel-wise, they don't have what it takes. Um, I'm, I mentioned on Twitter, like, yeah, I hate them, sure. <laughs> but the league is better when they're better or when they're good. And the league is better when they're in the playoffs. And there was a lot of like, I'm afraid to play them in the playoffs. And I, I get it. I feel it. Trust me. But there's also the, that's 50%. The other 50% is like, give me the Oilers against what we have right now against Mm -hmm. this team, the way they're going right now. Yeah. I would love to see it. I would love to see it. And if they're, if the Oilers are that scary, then you're going to see them anyway at some point. So, yep. So it's uh, the Pacific remains kind of a three horse race at this point. I think, uh, yeah, good separation. Yeah. Long season things can happen, but uh, judging by how the other teams are playing, it will remain a three horse race. So, uh, the wild card spots are really what they're fighting for here. The drop off from the top three in the Pacific to the remaining four teams is, is very steep or uh, uh, five teams, I should say, is very steep. So, um, so and points. it's in point. Yeah. So it is interesting. Uh, Vancouver lost tonight against New Jersey. Hell of a game there. The, the Hughes Bowl, as they were calling it. Yeah. Hughes, Hughes-a-thon. That's uh, right. New Jersey was up 5-2 at the end of the second. Vancouver came back and made it 5-5. Wow. I didn't even see that. And then Jesper Bratt scored with ni- at 19-26. Oh, man. That's for New deep. Jersey to win 6-5. That is a great game. So, thank you, New Jersey, for a regulation loss against Vancouver. Um, yeah, and they're like 4 and 6 in their last 10. So mm-hmm. the the PDO bender they were on <laughs> yeah. kind of settled down a little bit. Yeah. And Vegas is like 4 2 and 4 in their last 10. So right. injuries are hitting them hard between Theodore being out, Martinez being out. So Kings have four games in hand on both of them. Right. And they'll make that up right quick here in December. Yeah. God, December, January, January. I think it's like a game every other night, basically, is what they're averaging. December would be the same way if it wasn't for the holiday break. So, right. uh, Kings have the best point point percentage in the West. Not surprising. Yep, because they are behind in games played. That game against New York is a is is another really solid like benchmark game coming up here. 
just really assess. I mean, cause that's, you could argue that on Sunday of this week, you're going to see the two best teams in the league play against each other. And at that's the height a of their legitimate powers. argument. Yeah, absolutely. Cause that I think le- the Kings beat Colorado. Colorado is a great team, but they were down Kale McCarr. So that takes away from their greatness, but against New York, I suppose the only caveat would be that if they don't play Shesterkin, then then maybe there's there's slight things there, but the full team is available more or less. Yes. For both teams. It's not the Rangers without Panarin or something like that, you know, or, or yeah, Adam Fox. Agreed. It's Kings have beat, like you said, Colorado and Vegas. So you, you kind of know, okay, we could play with them. And you look at top of the NHL. That leaves Boston and New York as like the true cream of the crop of the NHL. So that's a big game in New York. I'm very excited. And the Kings lost to Boston at home. But again, I didn't think they were outplayed in that game. I think they just were goalied. That's a game that I feel like they were goalied. Swayman really stood on on his head. The The Kings had, yeah. Yeah, that's fair. Swayman did play really well. Boston played well too. Like it wasn't, it wasn't like the domination of like, we just can't beat Swayman. Yeah. Boston Boston had had a good period, I remember, in the third and the second. So anyway, we're getting into the Weezier. Excited for that game. That's like one as we talked about, we've kind of circled internally. So mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Arizona has won five in a row. And their last They're five team, opponents have been the last five Stanley Cup champions, and they've Isn't beat them all. What a great <laughs> schedule. Cause because they had beaten um Colorado, Vegas, and Tampa. And they had St. Louis next. And I was like, oh, that's an interesting schedule. And I, like, how funny would it be if Washington was the fifth? And I looked and I'm like, how the hell is Washington next on the schedule? <laughs> someone at the someone at Central Scheduling had a good laugh about that one. Yeah, well, I'm glad someone's working. <laughs> um, oh, dis- man. Disappointed in Ottawa. They don't look good. They beat really the Rangers tonight. They did, but they're like 10 and 10. Before that, they've yeah. been like up and down. Just totally not. The, up and down. They're 28th in the NHL, not not the team I thought they would be. Buffalo, same thing. Yeah. They're they're a mess, dude. Uh, in Fenerentz, yeah, Ottawa, they've only played 20 games, lowest in the league. Yeah, they were a very strange schedule along with us. I think the most uh, concerning thing with Ottawa beyond all their issues that they had with his owner, the owner getting angry and everything. The the most recent clip that I remember was, was Corpus in a game that they were getting absolutely manhandled, just so pissed off, just yelling at his defense to come and help him actually get the puck. And I mean, just disjointed as all hell. Yeah. All right. All right. Um, Quick bit of news, I guess, that's been brought up. The uh, cap expected to go up next year mm-hmm. to 87.7-ish, 87.5. It's about a $4 million increase from where it's at this year. Very beneficial for the Kings, obviously. Um, Going to be interesting to see what they do. They're, they're, they have to re-sign Kaliev. They have to re-sign uh, QB. They have to re-sign Lazat, Grunstrom. Matt Roy is UFA. All those other ones that I mentioned are RFA. 
Uh, Jad is an RFA, not to worry about the price tag on that. And both goalies are UFA. Uh, Victor Arvidsson, also UFA. So you're going to have roughly um, $25 million, I think, to play with to re-sign most, if not all, of those guys, which is probably not going to happen. Um, the RFAs reasonably will be kept with some raises here and there. Byfield, hopefully, I'm guessing after this season, they're going to try to get him on a, on an eight-year deal. I, I think they'd be scared to bridge him. If I, I'd be scared to bridge him. <laughs> if I was his agent, I would be like, ain't no way, son. Oh, easily. Yeah. Ain't no maybe way. They, Two years or whatever. Maybe whatever they, it takes maybe they the go UFA. in between. Maybe they go like four yeah. years or something like that. But uh, what I mean yeah. is bridge him for his next RFA deal and right. then give him drop that eight right. year on him. So interesting things, interesting things that will have to be considered. Did, were you uh, question? Were you expecting a bigger bump? No, no, that was that was exactly where I thought it was going to go. Okay, because that was the that would be the near maximum of what they could approve based on the the um, CBA without having to take it to a vote. I think it's like eight uh, percent bump was the max they could do, and that's like right up to that number. Okay, basically, um, good to know. So my my question to you. If it came down to it, because it may end up being number-wise very similar in contract number. Are you going to ask you Roy, to, Roy versus Arvidsson? You know I, I am. God damn it. You know I am, because that's 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 really the key. I, I don't see a way that they keep both of those guys. I think the real question is going to come down to which one of those two are you going to keep. Because I think both are going to carry both around the are five diff- million price tag. Like, man, it's a difficult, very difficult question because you see how the team is playing without Arvidsson. Mm-hmm. I haven't seen how the team plays without Matt Roy. Not sure I want to. <laughs> Not sure I want to. And but then there's the other side of it, where it's like, okay, is Brian Clark going to play in the NHL? That's important. That seems important. Mm-hmm. And the way you're lined up on your other pairs, it seems like it's a puck mover and a shutdown guy. Mm-hmm. And Gavrikov Clark fits that, but the problem then is that you only have Gavrikov for one more year. Yeah, the word I get it, but then you try to get you extend him right quick. So I don't know if you run into similar problems, but I mean, at some point you're going to have to keep you have to keep one of Gavrikov and Roy long term. I think you have to find a way to do that. Yeah. How long? I don't know. How I don't know what Gavrikov's age is, forgive me. Um twenty uh, eight? I think him and so Jesse had did an episode recently where Gavrikov and Roy both came on and their numbers, their age and everything are almost exactly the same. Okay. So do you remember the number? Uh no. But Probably 28, uh, I, 28 Yeah, well, it has to be because Roy's going UFA, so he's got to be okay, right around great. that 27, 28. So, yeah, what's long term? I don't know, but I know this. Like, if you keep both of them, then you, you, have, you have to make a decision on Spence or Clark. That decision yeah. now has, has to come up. Yeah. So, it's, I don't know. I don't like those questions. I don't <laughs> like any of them. Off the top of my head, like, Based on what we've seen, probably Arvidsson. 
which sucks because this team needs right-handed shots who can mm-hmm. who can play. The power play needs a right-handed shot desperately, and one does not exist at the moment. Laferriere can't play on the power play right now. Yeah. So, I don't know. Is you know yeah. Fagimo going to be able to? I don't know. If he's going to be able to play questions. the power play next year. I there's, highly doubt his ceiling questions. is Arvidsson, respectfully. Yeah, that's a very different type of player. Very different. Very, very different. So I don't know. I'm if I'll tell you what, if they paid me what they're paying Rob Blake, I'd figure it out. <laughs> so hopefully he does. Yeah, I think uh I I'm leaning the same way. I think Arvidsson's a very special player. He he's a very good mid mid uh mid lineup guy who adds more than just a straight line game has this knack for creativity and for generating offense with whoever he's playing with. So he's a definitely valuable player, but I think the injury history, mm-hmm. the team playing the way they are right now, I think that would make the, the Kings very hesitant to bring him back over Roy when you have this stellar tandem basically of Roy and Gavrikov kind of going with regards to the Spence question. I think the way I had it kind of in my head is that if they can manage to keep Roy work something out with Gavrikov at some point you, you basically, and I thought this was maybe why they were toying a little bit with Roy and uh, with uh, Gavrikov and Spence playing together from time to time was do you eventually bring Clark up once once England is not around or when you can afford to have a seventh defense and then you play them, you split that pairing basically. I see. You go, you go Roy, Roy Clark. Correct. Correct. Um, and you go They're Spence, both right-handed Gamerkoff. shots though. <sighs> it's a little, yeah. I'm just saying, it's, they're both righties. I know. I know. I'm just... And this this left side right right handed shot playing the left left side has been it a matter- huge oh, dude, it's, goddamn it's, problem. Yeah, it is. So, it's a giant issue. So there's also the other part where you do the Jack Johnson Voinov situation where you're like, hmm. I trade the roster defenseman because I know I have this guy right waiting and ready to go. Which is funny because that's what they did with Jersey. <laughs> so yeah, you- yeah. So you do it twice. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> you double up. It's worked before. But let me ask you a question. I've been meaning to ask you this season, and I haven't. I find the the Arvidsson LTIR whole thing very strange because he was perfectly fine in the preseason. Uh huh. He played the last preseason game. I believe he scored, and within three days, he was like, "I need back surgery." Hmm. I'm just curious from a medical perspective, like I'm assuming he had the issue even in preseason and was planning on just playing through it with, with like, I don't know, minimal treatment. No, maybe not minimal, actually maximal. Like if he was getting, if he was getting like, I guess um, that's what I meant. Yeah, I get it. Yeah. I mean, again, I don't, I don't know what exactly his diagnosis is, but if he was getting things like 
epidural steroid injections and they were working for several months at a time and he was kind of powering through and he was okay during games. And then the day after he was finding himself not being able to get out of bed, that kind of thing. And eventually they were like, yeah, man, this is, this is a kind of a, you do this now or it's going to get worse Hmm. potential. That's, I think that's out there. I think that's always a possibility. The problem is you don't, number one, you don't know exactly what the diagnosis is and you don't know what kind of treatment he was getting for it to begin with. So if he was getting by on these conservative and medical, you know, therapies and ultimately he'd known about this problem with the back that at some point surgery may be indicated or might be something that he'd have to consider for a better long-term outcome then I'm sure the team talked it through with him and then eventually gave him the green light to, to get the surgery done. Interesting and, to me and, because as a player on your UFA year, yeah. you want to be playing, right? Like that's, yeah. so I wonder what, like what kind of conversation he had with the team. I think a little bit goes into the recovery time. If they, if they gave him a, a four month recovery, or something, and they told him that you'd still be able to come back and mm. you'd be able to finish off the year and be able to show this team and any other team that you have the ability to play versus you may play through this season, but at any point in time, this could flare up and then that would be the end of your season. Right. I mean, playoffs are where you make your money, right? Like, And I think that's kind of what he's looking at this yeah. is that it's better for me to be back now I'm I'm taking myself out of the context with like a medical professional looking at it from his agent and his long-term playing ability. I think they would look at it and go better to finish strong than sure. start strong and then not be able to make it through the season. So that's, I, and I bet the team was probably okay with that given sure, their own the cap salary. Exactly. Of exactly. Course. So sometimes, sometimes it works out okay. For everyone, mm. I think is is what it, what, how I see it. I don't think this was a Mark Stone Nikita Kucherov. Right, I was. I, and that's not what recovery. I was implying. Yeah, so, um, I certainly believed there was an issue with him. I was just curious at the optics of it of him uh-huh. looking pretty good in preseason, and then just kind of yeah. the next day you're like, well, he's out. You know, he's out for four I, months, and you're like, okay. I, I think it's. I think it's shocking how much you can accomplish with enough pain medication sometimes. Okay. Fair, fair enough. <laughs> and, and, you know, if he was truly getting like steroid injections, you know, some people respond very, very well to them. And so and is that do... still common in sports? Um, the Those steroid, kind of steroid injections. injections are common in general. I mean, in general for back pains and, and, uh, and, uh, you know, um, neuropathies like and things of that nature and things like that like uh probably i mean i don't think it, i don't think it's happening quite the way that you may be seen you know he's not going to the back room and the trainers you know right taking it and it's throwing, dark you know. and there's one light and yeah coach just no, peeks he's like how yeah. is he yeah 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 <laughs> and it's like Can you play? There's, not some, there's not some innocent you know stick kid or whatever like looking over there and seeing get the kid out of here then yeah you're right Gotcha. <laughs> you know, I don't think it's quite as nefarious as it. Uh, it's, um, it's done. In Why a are you nice, ruining all movies for? I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It's in a very nice sterile place. It's very by the book. 
Um, Lido injections for sure. Lidocaine injections, like mid game, that kind of stuff for sure. For sure. Okay. For sure. I, I, I once or twice in med school got to, got to go to some Wranglers games. Um, and I was doing like an ER rotation and I got to go with, uh, the team doc because there always has to be like a, a, a doctor in there mm-hmm. in the, in the arena. And I got to go to a couple of Wranglers games and, you know, got to go mid period and whatnot. And afterwards, and, uh, one of the games, the guy got, one of the guys got hit with a puck in the hand and went to the locker room. And so he's like, all right, come on, let's go, let's go check out what's going on. And I mean, this dude's hand was mangled, dude. I mean, it was just like, <laughs> I had broken? to look at it for two seconds. Yeah. The finger was broken. hundred percent. That finger was broken. I was like, okay, that, 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 that thing's broken for sure. That's broken. Right. <laughs> and, um, he didn't go back into the game, but they, they like buddy taped it with the finger and they gave him just a straight shot of Lido right, right underneath oh, wow. to just kind of help him with the pain. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, and I was like, oh, so they just have this stuff. They've just got lidocaine, <laughs> just like hang, and they have to because they suture people up. Yeah, and so they have to have it handy because they suture people up all the time. But if you have lidocaine and someone gets hit with a puck or something, and oh, they you know rib pain, right? Like that's worst pain. I forget. Right. I forget which this happened in the NFL actually, um, to Tyrod Taylor. Um, they tried to give him a, uh, a shot of light or like a nerve block an intercostal nerve block and then dropping the lung. They, the needle went into the, oh into the chest and it caused a, a pneumothorax and the dude was out the entire season for what should have been a very standard sports medicine kind of thing that they do to give you a nerve block because he'd taken a hit to the ribs and was having trouble taking breaths because the muscles and the bones hurt so bad. Right. So very standard, they would just do a nerve block and wrap it up and back out you go. And he ended up dropping a lung. And so to answer your question, I think, I think it happens (laughs) fairly often. Yeah. Sweet. Thank you for that. You are welcome. You are, and that's that's my medical minute. <laughs> I love it. We're getting all kinds of segments, <laughs> building segments. All right, uh, it's all right. Uh, we're at speaking of segments. Speaking of segments, buddy, you got you got some work cut out for you uh, today. I know. I hate these numbers. There's 32 guys who won the number let's 10. Not, let's not. Okay, if I can name five, we just wrap the show. <laughs> <laughs> nah, you can get more than five. Okay, Mike Richards. Correct. Tobias Reader. Correct. Mike Allison. Wow, you were jumping all over the place. Yes. This is going to happen. Mm-hmm. Matthew Schneider. Correct. Warren Reichel. Yes, indeed. Stop yelling at me, everyone. Give me a second. Give me a second to think and gather. There's a lot of 2010s and a couple, lot of 2010s. Couple, mm-hmm, couple one year appearances in there. Sure. Like the device sure. readers of the world. Sure. Um, How about this? Do you remember the last person that wore number 10? Not at the moment. Oh, is it Airhoff? No, but he is one of them. Okay, Erhoff. Reader word, reader word after Erhoff. Okay. 
Amadio. Yes. Okay. It's the last person to wear. So you were already up to like seven, I think. So you're doing okay. I'm doing okay. This is where it gets hard because Reichel, mm-hmm. between like Reichel, between Allison and Reichel, I wonder how many there are. You don't have to wonder. I'll tell you. Great. There's uh, one, two, three, four. Holy shit. It's like two yeah. years, guys. <laughs> no, man. It was 95 to 2001. What? I said between 90. Between Allison and, and Mike Allison. Allison was 88 to 90. Reichel, Reichel was, was after 93 to 95. And then from 95 so to, to oh. Schneider was 2001. I know what I'm saying. Between Mike Allison and Reichel, how many are there? Oh, just one. Okay, great. That's what I was asking. You're confusing oh, oh, okay. me. I misunderstood. I misunderstood. Not that I would know who it is because it's... Anyway, um, yeah, I'm I'm shooting blank. So if you want to give me some, all right, I'll fill in the 2010s for you. So uh, Mario uh, Reader, give me positions. Um, winger, winger. There was two wingers in the 2010s that we tried for a year. One that we claimed off of the dust heap, <laughs> trying mm-hmm. to restore him to former glory. Great, Marco Sturm. Uh, he's one of them. Okay, but that not was not the, the one I was thinking of. No, <laughs> not, not the no, 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 truly, truly, truly dust deep. Like, like, oh, <laughs> uh, like PTO dust deep. Oh, PTO. Setaguchi. That's the one. What about Alan McCauley? Also in there, yes. All right, I'm doing good on the tents. Not on... not quite dust deep, but did, did not do much. Yeah. Okay. I'm I'm tapped out. I don't know. What else? Okay, I'll fill in. So uh, Amadio Reader, Setaguchi, Christopher Stieg. That's in 2016. right. I yes. like Christopher Stieg. I did he too. Cool. I did too. Uh, then there was Erhoff, Richard Sturm, Braden Shen for interesting. Yes, because I I had him at 55. I thought about him. I, but I think he, he played I so he, few games yes. that I thought he only wore the number 55. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and then Macaulay. Uh, did you say Nathan Dempsey? I did I think not. you did. I oh, did not you? say okay. Nathan Dempsey. Well, yeah. Like, damn well. 04 to 06. All right. So Nathan Dempsey, Schneider. Um, this is one I thought you would have had. I'm going to be Donald so Odette. Yeah, no. No, I remember him as like hmm. his his usual number is probably like thirty eight or some shit, thirty four <laughs> in his career. Like that's what I remember. I'll, I'll look it up. I'll look it up here. I'll figure this out. Um, but then before Audet was Donald McLean. Mm, um, yes, thirty four is the number you were probably thinking of. But yes. apparently he wore thirty four from ninety eight, ninety nine, and then ninety eight to two thousand. He was wearing number ten. That's okay. That's Audet. So that's where shit. Fine. Anyway, uh, Don McLean, Neil Broughton in ninety seven. Uh, Jeff Chevalier in 95, then Reichel, Dennis Smith, Mike Allison. Dennis Smith was the 91. Okay. Okay. Uh, Probably played three games, sure. Uh, Sean McKenna, 86 to 88. Okay. Not to be confused with Steve McKenna. Nope. Different McKenna. The Jurassic Park line. Okay. Correct. Uh, Bill O'Dwyer, 84, 85. Bob LaForest, 84. (laughs) 
And then now you're getting into that wonderful era of the early eighties where again, the Kings only had like 15 jerseys and guys just had to swap them out. Um, Bob LaFour, Terry Ruskowski in 83, Victor Nechaev in 83. Wait a minute. So he changed his number. Terry Ruskowski was not Um, number 10. I'll let you know. I'll let Let you know. know, He was was 8, 8, 10 in 82, 83 apparently. And then it must have been, maybe it was a preseason thing. I don't know. Anyway, don't be mad. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Brock Treadway. Sure. That's a strong name right there. That is. You can help me here because they have Bernie as wearing 10 Interesting. In fact, he went 10 in 81-82. He went 15 in 81-82. And then 9 eventually from 81 to 88. That makes Very no sense. Very strange. Very strange. That is, Again, uh, Bernie's jersey was dirty. Yeah. Situation. There's Weird no, things that, happened that's in the, the early jersey. 80s in Kings jerseys. He was out partying. I'm, I'm convinced Whatever. that no one in the early 80s wore wore a number above 15. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> really like it's like international. Yeah. Uh, Dave Morrison in 82. Scott Gruel in, also in 82. Seriously, there's five guys yeah. that apparently wore the number 10 in 82. It was, okay. uh, it was a floater. It was a floater yeah. jersey. Guy Which lost forgot his jersey. Equipment guy the, forgot Bernie's jersey. The 10 is a great number. It is. Um, Rick Martin in 81-82. He ah. definitely didn't didn't <laughs> didn't get much out of that jersey. Jesse, Jesse's probably yelling Rick Martin yep. to me. Uh Steve Carlson in 80. Uh Vic Vanaski in 73 hey! 79. There you go. <laughs> That's quite a reaction. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't see that coming, did you? Definitely not for not for Vic Vanaski. Me and Double V go way back. <laughs> I, I guess uh, I guess I know whose episode this is. <laughs> oh God! Uh, Jim Stanfield in 1970, and finally Howie Hughes, 68 to 70. Double H. Those are all of the number tens. <laughs> I'm a little surprised there hasn't been one since ni- since 2021. Yeah, it is interesting. Um, we'll see. We'll see if anyone ever. Well, not ever is a long, long time, obviously. So we know whose episode this is, right? This is my. This is the Richards. It's the Rick Mike episode, as far Richards. as I'm concerned. Number ten for the Kings is Mike Richards, guys. Mm-hmm. That's that's who it is. With big respect to Mike Allison, man, I respect yeah. him a lot. But it's this is it's Mike Richards. Yeah, for everything he defined for, like a change in the composure, the makeup, the signal, the acquirement of Mike Richards scent. He's. He's 10 as far as I'm concerned. Agreed. In King's jersey. No notes. Perfect. No notes. Thank you. Thank you. Whew. Okay. I'm fading, buddy. It's getting late. The Kings it's took it out one. of me emotionally. Good chat as always. We're doing good. Every two weeks, we're, we're keeping it relatively consistent. That's right. All the people on Twitter who say once in a bloom, when I am deeply offended, <laughs> someone said 98,000 days. Episodes, which is that's a bit of a stretch isn't it so like that's, uh, I, uh, I appreciate the chirps it's yeah, funny it is funny uh next one might be tough though man because we're we're coming up on let me see that's going to be just before christmas hopefully we'll we can sneak happen. one in 
We'll yeah, make we'll it happen. Make it happen. We'll and thank happen. you for anyone who, who's been emailing us. We've been getting some cool emails, guys. Oh like, uh, yeah. Um, you could get you could email us through our website, um, but also our email is thebannermanpod at gmail When we were sharing stories about watching games, we got some cool emails. So thank you to everyone who did email. Uh, that was much appreciated. Also, some um, great stories were shared. I mean, that was some some good stuff about like how people and you know how they remembered watching certain games and. Yeah, nice. I think Rob gave us a good story. So thanks, Rob, for sending that in. Uh, shout out to him. And 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 keep them coming, guys. If we get cool emails, cool stories, we're really into the stories. Like, being a fan to me is all about the stories. Like, I could go on and on about times I've had with my friends, with my dad, all that stuff. Like, those, that's the stuff that sticks with you. So we get more of those emails, we'll, we'll read them on the air. You hear? And share all your t- most intimate King's watching secrets. <laughs> That's right. Uh, we all are, right. We don't answer to anyone. We're an independent podcast. <laughs> no ads. Ad free. <laughs> uh, all right, guys. Thank you very much. Like, subscribe. Keep the Twitter interaction coming. Um, love the more uh, social and uh, well-behaved discussion of late. Walking helps. Go, Kings. Go. Kings, go. Go.